Broadway for Tuesday, October 8th, 2019. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway Star's James Marino. James, it is wonderful to have you and your great and unmatched wisdom back on the show. <laughs> I, I'm not sure I like that parallelism there. I, I, <laughs> just saying, I mean, great and unmatched wisdom. I'm, you know, you consider many things to be off limits. And if somebody crosses them, you will destroy and obliterate them. I will destroy and obliterate them. Yes, this is true. Um, <laughs> I, I just, I don't even. I, I went through the looking glass. It's just, I mean, we can't make this stuff up. No, I, I forget who it was. Somebody, it might have been uh, David Itzkoff from the New York Times who just screenshot that and said, the great and powerful Oz. And it was <laughs> yes, like, I did see that. Frank right. L. Baum was way ahead of his time anyway uh you know what else is ahead of its time the what? broadway radio patreon ah, uh patreon.com slash broadway radio uh we are into i don't think it's our i don't think we've had a full month i think we're we're into our second month because it started in september but i don't even know that we're at a full month yet are we james Ah, oh, time is a flat circle yeah, as we I, I feel as though that we are probably closing in on the fourth week, but I mean, I, I could check it here. No, no, no. I just, just to, you know, it, it's up there. We appreciate everybody who's contributed. And if you feel like you've got a couple extra shekels to throw our way, uh, we would greatly appreciate it. Uh, James, what did you find? What did I find? I found that my internet is not as fast as I thought it was. Okay. Well, moving on then. <laughs> Wait, we have a... Um, let's see. Hey, you know who our first donor was? I do not. So our first donor on September 13th. Oh, okay. We're close. September 13th. So we're six days away. Our first donor, I, I haven't asked permission, but I will just, I haven't asked permission, so I'll just say it, it's Roselle Robbie. <laughs> Eva Day Abby Ray. Yes, exactly. It's like you're reading my screen on September 13th. Our first donor was uh, Eva Day Robbie Day. Awesome. Well, yeah, uh, many things to appreciate from that unnamed individual beyond that. But that that part is much appreciated as well. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. And uh, we had some very good reaction to our first uh, two sponsors on this week on Broadway. So uh, please s support our sponsors uh, as you would support us. So first up in the news, Morton Scorsese film, The Irishman, will play Broadway next month? Yeah, James. This is a new wrinkle in the theater owner's bag of tricks huh. to fill an opening in their schedule, something that we have championed before. But this was even outside of what I thought might actually happen. I don't I don't know that I dislike it. Um, it's interesting, but we can get into that. But yesterday, Netflix announced that their highly anticipated film, The Irishman, directed by Martin Scorsese, will play Broadway's Belasco Theater from November 1st through December 1st. The streaming service will be outfitting the historic Broadway house with state-of-the-art equipment to screen the film. Tickets for the film will be available on telecharge, but they will only be $15 plus applicable fees, which is honestly cheaper than you would get in a lot of movie theaters. But what's interesting about this, James, is that it's in a Broadway house. 
and it will play a traditional eight show Broadway schedule with uh, being dark on Monday nights. The film stars Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Harvey Keitel, and Joe Pesci, and will be released globally on November 27th. Now, James, the reason that Netflix is going this route is because while the film was made for their streaming service, it has gotten such incredible reviews from film festivals that they want it to be eligible for Oscar nominations. However, to do that, it has to be screened for a certain number of, of days uh, in release. But Netflix's business model only really likes to have films on the big screen for less than a month before they come to the platform. However, the big movie chains like AMC, Regal, Cinemark, etc., don't like that. So they are refusing to show it in their theaters. Normally, a, a movie has about three months from the time that it originally appears on the big screen before it hits a streaming service or home entertainment or anything like that. For The Irishman, it will be only 26 days from November 1st to November 27th, like I said. So to me, James, this seems like a fairly big middle finger to the theater chain's uh, that wouldn't show them. Now, some of the smaller ones like Alamo Drafthouse and iPick, and I'm sure many art houses will be doing them as well. But this is a great way to get some free earned publicity out of it. Not free because they're obviously paying for it, but, uh, you know, a really good way to get people talking about this movie. So I have a win-win-win here. Okay. Netflix should buy the Times Square Church. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, I would love anybody to buy the Times Square Church. Yeah, I mean, they they could do that and convert it back to a legitimate house and show all their films to their heart's content on Monday evenings and things like that. When when there's no show there, yeah. you know, and then when something's dark, yeah. Yeah, exactly like that. Uh, and they've got the cash. They could do this. Uh, you know, uh, WeWork just announced that they're pulling back from leases in New York City uh, today which uh, is going to throw office space into a tizzy in New York City. So that'll be mm -hmm. interesting, too. Um, and, uh, and and you know why Netflix is doing eight a week with a Monday off? Uh, I don't. Why, why would you say? Because they can't even begin to approach the most powerful union on Broadway. The, the tech and stage hands? Ushers. Don't mess with oh, the ushers. That's a good point. Very good point. Don't mess with the ushers. <clears throat> They'll kill you. That they, they, those little mag lights they hold, that's not for lighting <laughs> the aisle. That's for whacking you upside the head. That's a very good point. Yeah. Very good point. It's the toughest union on Broadway. Don't mess with them. All right. Complete casting announced for A Christmas Carol on the Broadway. Yes, James. Uh, I went from being interested in this show to being excited about this show. As yesterday, the upcoming Broadway bow of the old Vix A Christmas Carol announced that joining the previously announced Campbell Scott will be Andrea Martin as the ghost of Whoa. Christmas past, Lashans as the ghost of Christmas present and Mrs. Fezziwig, Dashiell Eves as Bob Cratchit, Dash. Evan Harrington as Fezziwig, Hannah Ellis as Jess, and more. The, the show is scheduled to play the Lyceum Theater from November 7th through January 5th. James, when this was done in London, it was done more or less in the round. I, I mean, it wasn't like a traditional in the round. It had like a long walkway in the center um, and then had like platforms on the edges of it. Um, so I'll be really excited to see what director Matthew Warchus decides to do with it in what I'm assuming they're going to play 
as a normal proscenium house, but who knows? Maybe they'll put, you know, some sort of extension out over the audience. I haven't looked at the seating chart online, but I'm uh, very excited about this one, especially with Andrea and LaShawns and Hannah Ellis and, and, and Dashiell Eves. I mean, it's a really, really impressive cast. That is a great cast. Oh my goodness. Did, did you happen to see uh, Rocky when it was at the winter garden? No, I did not. You know, they, they, they had the ring that, that came out over the orchestra right. and they brought everybody in the orchestra up on stage and there's lots of creative ways to do things. So, so interesting to see if they'll do it in a proscenium or even just, you know, bring in the characters to the audience, but, you know, it'd be great to have a Rocky sort of stage. That'd yeah. be awesome. All right. What do we have in last week's Broadway grosses? All right. Thanks to shows that are in previews, adding a few more performances, Broadway's bottom line rose almost exactly $200,000 last week over the previous frame to come in at $30,098,714. 23 of the main stems, 33 shows saw week to week increases. The biggest jump went to The Inheritance, increasing more than 155K as it went from just two to five performances. However, it did dip down to 38.35% of gross potential, but I'd have to imagine that as they start performances of part two, because they've only been doing part one thus far, uh, part two begins performances on Friday. That should help in that regard, as I think a lot of people are probably waiting to be able to see both of them in close proximity before getting their tickets. Two Disney shows, Frozen and The Lion King, were the others that saw six-figure increases along with The Inheritance. Oddly, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child and Wicked had the two biggest declines of the week. And they both obviously still did fine, James. But it's unusual to me, and it's a little weird, to see two of the family tourist shows have the biggest gains, and then two of the family tourist shows have the biggest dips. Um, Normally, a lot of these things move together with... um, Wicked and Harry Potter and Frozen and the Lion King and Aladdin and any other kind of family shows, they tend to all rise and fall together. It's kind of odd to see those both on the extremes. Anyway, speaking of of extremes, Hamilton was the king of the mountain as usual with $2,992,845, followed by Moulin Rouge and To Kill a Mockingbird, both above two mil. Then the aforementioned Lion King, Ain't Too Proud, Hades Town, Wicked, Aladdin, The Book of Mormon and Cursed Child, all in seven figures. While Dear Evan Hansen, Frozen, Come From Away, Phantom, and Beetlejuice were all north of 900000 I just have to chuckle a little bit at the fact that Beautiful did $905,610 for over 91% of its gross potential. Now, James, while I am sure that that is at least partly because the show is going to close later this month, it does fit the pattern that I've talked about here for years, that its receipts increased dramatically in the fall. And that's why I was always surprised they announced closing for October 27th. Now, I know they want to get something else in there and all that stuff, but it just seems very weird to me that if someone as dumb as me who doesn't understand money or numbers can look at the grosses and see that the this show has a rise in the fall – Uh, I would imagine that the producers who literally have a vested interest in the show could figure that out, that maybe they want to wait at least until the holidays. But 
whatevs, not my money. Um, anyway, I, I mentioned the Lightning Thief last week as being a little scary. Uh, and while it did move up a smidge, it only did $219,484 last week, just north of one quarter of its gross potential and below 48% of capacity. The only other show that I have my eyes on for potentially announcing a closing would be Tootsie, which dipped more than 20 k to nine or to $796,591. Now, James... If this was, I mean, in almost any other theater, um, those numbers would be fine, I I think. But Tootsie is beneath 49% of its potential and less than 70% of capacity, both substantially lower than the Broadway averages last week. Yeah, that's that's getting pretty scary there. The the beautiful thing is interesting to me because maybe – I don't know this to be true. I'm just guessing here. So I don't know anything. I'm not saying that this is what happened. Is that maybe they hit one of their – one of their stop clauses in their grosses and the owners of the theater uh, roundabout roundabout said – so you're closing this time, and <laughs> this is what we're telling you. Yeah, so. but I just I just think it's weird that they wouldn't give them an extra few weeks because uh, you know they still want yeah. With Slava, with Slava Snow Show coming in, you you can't really push Slava back because Look, that. I, hmm? No, you're you're absolutely right. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the let's see what it did again nine hundred. Um, we're going $905,610 and 70 or, and 90% of its gross potential will be better than any week that Slava snow show yes. is on Broadway. And okay, if it is yes. not, and if it is not, I will give up theater for the rest of my life. Cause Slava snow show is one of the worst things that I've ever seen. All right. Excellent. Two I'm really, ner- I'm nervous now. <laughs> what do we have in other news? Okay, James, first up, yesterday we learned that Kathleen Marshall will direct and choreograph a musical adaptation of the Oscar-winning Best Picture, Sideways. Rex Pickett, who wrote the book that the film was based on, will write the libretto for the show, and Anthony Lee Adams will write the music. A press release from yesterday said, quote, with three-quarters of the music composed and recorded, okay, uh, and a fully realized book completed, Sideways, colon, the musical... The musical is being fast-tracked for a spring-summer 2020 regional staging before before moving on to Broadway. Okay, Um, so I imagine that we should be getting details on that fairly soon in the coming months, James. If this is wanting to happen in the spring or summer of next year, they're going to want to get the uh, tickets on sale for wherever it's going to be playing uh, at least, you know, by January at the very latest. So we'll see what happens there. Yesterday, oh, go ahead. I'm just suggesting that it should go into the uh, the next the Netflix Times Square Theater. <laughs> well, that could work, um, but it's going to have a regional show first before it comes to the Netflix Broadway Theater. So somewhere up in the Napa Valley would make sense for this show because it is a uh, a movie about going to a vineyard and having a lot of wine. Uh, this was the movie from 2004. It had Paul Giamatti, Paul Giamatti, Tom, yeah, Tom, mm-hmm. Thomas Hayden Church, Virginia Madsen, Sandra Oh. Um, so, yeah. Anyway. All right. Um, yesterday, we also learned that Audible will be producing The Half-Life of Marie Curie at the Manetta Lane Theater starring Kate Mulgrew and Francesca Faradani. The show by the most produced living playwright in America, Lauren Gunderson, will run from November 12th through December 22nd. Uh, 
that should be an interesting one there. And of course, it will then live on the Audible streaming service thereafter. Did you see uh, that article in Slate on Lauren Gunderson? I did not. Oh, I'm gonna uh, send it over to you. We'll throw it in the in the show notes. Maybe we'll talk about it tomorrow. Okay. Uh, Lauren, it talks about how Lauren Gunderson is the most uh, produced uh, playwright in the United States, and has not been not been embraced by Broadway. No, not at all. Which is kind of crazy. But, yeah. Uh, all right. Very cool. All right. The next story, James, is more of a recommendation, but I figured I'd throw it in here. So the New York Times' Michael's Paulson and Cooper wrote a story about people videotaping theater and how it should be handled. I feel like we've exhausted that topic on this show and phones going off and all that stuff for years now. So I'm not going to get into that. But what's noteworthy about this article is that it has professional video of Joshua Henry taking the phone from the audience member and discarding it that you and Ashley, I believe, talked about mm. last week. Yeah. Apparently, it just so happened that the night that it that this event occurred at the wrong man at MCC off Broadway was also the night that they were shooting B roll. Um, so it's really incredible to watch. Uh, Joshua just, just does it. He doesn't stop. He just keeps going. I think Sierra, like he goes right behind Sierra Renee, who's sitting in a chair. I don't think she even knew it that it happened. Uh, it was, it's pretty crazy to watch. I, uh, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I watched it two or three times in a row. Cause it was just like, that's, Bonkers. But anyway, also equally bonkers is a segment from BuzzFeed's AM to DM show in which Jesse Mueller and Megan Hilty are promoting their upcoming Lifetime movie, Patsy and Loretta. And Hilty admits that there have been actual discussions about bringing back Smash. She is very careful not to say too much, and it doesn't sound like it would be a reboot or return to series form. But after years of rumors and false starts, based off what Hilty's saying, it sounds serious, and I could not be happier about it, James. Wow. Finally. Finally got them to it's say something on the record. I know. It's about damn time. About damn time. All right. Why don't you get us out of here? All right. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Read, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMAT. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Tuesday with us. And don't forget, uh, we have Patreon.com slash BroadwayRadio if you want to reach out and support us and uh, support our sponsors as well. And uh, I think somebody will be back and talk to you tomorrow.